0: All right, everybody. Welcome to the Musical Explaining Podcast. I am your host, and you know, continued scarf enthusiast because the weather is finally getting scarfy. Kava Harian.
1: And I'm just sick of everything. I hate it all. I'm burrowing into the ground. Don't expect me until next spring. And even then, you're lucky if you get a wink from me. Uh, Angelina, me. Ex-
0: except for scarves. Except, you love scarves. Except for
1: scarves. Scarves are great. Do love a scarf. Yes. Um, I, a big fan of scarves. Uh, like covering my neck up, especially as I get older. Uh, <laughs>
0: Yes, my turkey neck <laughs> is getting out of control. <laughs> right.
1: it's like the I'm just
0: getting in the spirit of Thanksgiving. <laughs>
1: right. The doolap is <laughs> kicking in. It's real, folks. And It's here. <laughs>
0: Yes, Uh, the third voice you might be hearing laughing. Uh, We have a fantastic guest today. She is a New York Times bestselling author and critic, Miss Multiple Hopes herself.
2: Amal
0: Amal el Motar. welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us today.
3: I was trying really hard not to laugh, but you know, (laughs) it's fine. I'm going to let loose now. It's great.
1: No, it's good yes. when someone's having fun because, you know, yes. <laughs> so, our so, audience so, never so, is. <laughs> they're
0: usually just you can't hear their eyes rolling as yeah, hard as you it does. just to. feel them
1: burrowing deeper into the ground as they go, what choices have I made in my life to lead me Why? to listen to this podcast? But we are so, so happy to have you. On here today, uh, we're talking about a, a show that I know is incredibly special to you. Uh, oh, yes. You and I have talked about this. Uh, we are talking about, of course, le spectacle, uh, the Spectacle, the fantastic Notre Dame de Paris, uh, the French language musical sensation. Um, yes.
0: Does this musical catch on fire at some point is my first question.
1: Does it catch on fire? Like
0: ooh zing. Does it topical? Uh, uh, anyway, sorry.
1: Uh, 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 <laughs> sorry,
3: uh, 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 I I didn't realize this was going to happen. My beautiful husband just opened the door I painstakingly shut in order to bring me a delicious decaf latte. Uh, sorry. What a wonderful
1: husband. That is like that's, is, that's, that's 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 an incredible wife guy move right there. Really, he's
3: very
0: yes, delicate. wife guy.
3: <laughs> but to answer your question, does the musical catch on fire at some point? Uh, 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 you know, too uh, soon. Uh, too soon. Oh, yeah, too, too too soon,
1: but also soon. like that was okay. Yeah. <laughs> but also like um, fair enough in in a metaphorical way. Uh, this is kind of like one of the, if not the most popular non English language musical in the world. And in 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 that sense, yes, it absolutely did catch on fire, mm. my friend. This was mm. this is this is big hit stuff. Uh, we'll get into a little bit more with the notes, but. Um, yeah, this was, I think, my first exposure to, I guess, non-English language musical theater that wasn't, you know, um, the original version of Les Miserables uh, huh. by by Bublion Schoenberg. That was, you know, of course, very different from mm-hmm. from what it ended up being in the English-speaking countries. But um, yeah, uh, this one, uh, I guess uh, we should just get right into it because uh, I know how much. Yeah, we... Amal,
0: yeah, Amal, why don't you tell us a little sure. bit about uh, why you love this show oh and sort of when you first saw it, what you were well, yeah. obviously, as concisely as you can, I'm sure you have many, many thoughts, but so, just to give us a taste of what will come.
1: <laughs> Our audience cannot see you are like literally vibrating right now. <laughs> like, yes. so true.
3: And I've only had tea today. I'm still, mm. okay. What you need to understand is that when I love things, I don't love them in a normal way. Oh, I, relatable. I, yeah, I, I love them in a very um, sort of self-obliterating, all-encompassing way. And if anyone like, who knows me from the internet can attest to this. Like anything I become enthusiastic Mm. about, whether it's musical theater or not, whether it is like, I'm very embarrassed about this now. Uh, I wasn't at the time, but like I was into Hamilton in a way that was upsetting. (laughs) I think. Uh,
0: This is is shocking to me as somebody who spent time with theater kids now. This is very (laughs) out of place.
3: I will say like, I am, I am past that. I feel I have, my feelings have evolved and changed. They have not evolved and changed about Hades town, another thing I'm extremely obsessed with. I'm literally mm-hmm. wearing the Lady mm-hmm. of the Underground t-shirt right now. <laughs> but before all of this, for me, aged 14, I think, there was Notre-Dame de Paris. And Notre Dame de Paris was my introduction to being obsessed with a thing. I was quite shocked, actually. Like I, I was listening um to it in the car on the drive. Over here thinking to myself, I haven't listened to this in actually many years. I should just remind myself and I can still say all the words I I can still sing. I mean, you know, to the extent that one can sing the songs. I know all the words for 100% sure every song that has like two key changes in it. Oh, um,
1: at least, but, at least two key at least. changes. <laughs> yeah, right. At
3: least. But like, this was the other thing that you need to know about me in this case is that I grew up in Quebec. Like I grew up, um, I, I was born in Ottawa, uh, but I grew up in Elmer across the river uh, on the Quebec side. And uh, I, you know, was growing up in a very bilingual environment while being trilingual. Like we spoke Arabic at home, um, mm-hmm. French at school and um English just kind of seeps in. <laughs> English just kind of, yeah. you can't avoid it, right? Um, so, uh, it, and and I had, like, my exposure to musicals at that point had consisted of uh, mostly, like, Disney films, like, Disney animated films, mm-hmm. and Arabic musicals, uh, like political allegory musicals from the 1970s specifically. Like if anyone listening to cool. this is familiar with like any of the uh, Rahbani brothers, like Fayruz vehicles that, that were from the seventies, like Jibaira Swin or Bint um, al or anything of like, I, I knew those, but they were like my parents things and mm-hmm. they weren't my things. Um, and I had definitely like already become obsessed with the hunchback of Notre Dame* like the, the animated film, it had like really affected me as, as few other Disney films had. So, and and from that, I read the novel in French and I was like, wow, this is very different from <laughs> yeah. the animated film. Yeah. <laughs> and then like in a quite like compressed period, I'm talking like these were probably three or four formative years, then the musical appeared mm. and it just wrecked me. Like it was, there I don't even... I, it's, it's really hard for me to recapture now why I became as obsessed with it as I did. Probably partly the Esmeralda thing. Like, if there is a Disney so-called princess that is mine, it's Esmeralda. Not not Jasmine. All respect to Jasmine. Esmeralda was my girl. Um, and, uh, and so something that had her in it was really meaningful. But also, a lot of the performers... Um, were people whose music I knew. Like, these were all, like, French-language pop stars. Um, so, like, Bruno Pelletier and, um, event like, on the, the touring cast, Mario Pelchat and, uh, um, like, the, these were people who whose albums we had in the house. And so there was this, like, cool bridge between songs that I listened to on the radio that my parents also liked and this musical that was entirely for, like, literature nerd me also and so I became super 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 obsessed with it uh with just the album uh with the um the original cast album that had like Daniel Lavoie and Ellen Segara, and um but the show I've only seen it staged once um and it was the touring production at the Mervish Theatre in Toronto um where France Damour played um uh, Esmeralda instead of Ellen Segara. And, like and that was a very uh, startling change for me <laughs> just like because she's very white and that like brought in all kinds of interesting things to me in, in terms of like have you guys read the novel yes uh, oh okay. yes so yeah. like there are yeah. some-
0: i famously don't read i can't read actually Oh yeah, but, yeah. <laughs>
3: So, like, ah. there is some really weird race stuff with Esmeralda and Quasimodo, which we may or may not want to get into. But I was thinking of that when I saw a white singer play Esmeralda. But she did a wonderful performance. Like, she actually had a very mm-hmm. intense, very energetic performance. The whole thing was amazing. I uh, It was everything I could have wanted a a a musical to be. I was mm-hmm. 15 when I saw it. Like, it was, I think... I was. Look, I had to look up these dates because in my head, a lot more time had gone by from when I started listening to the album to when I saw it. But the touring production was only there in 1999. Like, it had to be that year. Um, and the album only came out one year before. So I think it's just like the time like, dilation that happens when you're a teenager and one year compasses so much of your life.
1: Absolutely. That was me with Phantom of the Opera. Like, it felt like the longest period of my life. And I was just like... Yes! Like, that, that's, like, like literally my story, but with Phantom. But, but yes. how, I guess, like... If you How I found this show was... Uh, I'd seen the Disney movie. I actually really hated it when I was a kid because it was, like, going to... I was raised... No, I'm going to... Qual- like, I say this saying now. It is one of my favorite Disney movies. Yeah, yeah. At least a top five one for me. Um, because I was raised super Catholic and it felt like going to church to me. Oh. And also, I was, like, the bullied kid. So I saw this. I was like, <gasps> no, this is church and this is just what school is like for me. Oh, I do no. not enjoy this in any <laughs> capacity. But, uh, so... So high school oh. hit, and I got I got really into Les Mis, um, as you do mm-hmm. in high school when you are mm-hmm. just a, that annoying kid. And uh read Les Mis and was like, you know what, I should read uh, Notre Dame de Paris because I really like Les Mis. And I went and read it, and I was like, holy shit, this is so different from the yes. Disney movie. And, uh, you know, this is back with, like, the modem dial-up stuff. So I didn't have the full album, but I had the song Belle, and that was my first introduction to it. And I remember listening to that shit on a fucking loop like just oh being God. like this is
0: uh, listeners just so you know Amal is basically losing her team. I don't know if she's going to be able to continue this podcast we might have to call him in the,
3: the, the, the whole room is just going to like because you
0: guys can't see the zoom but it's, it's very entertaining it's I wish we had recorded right? this I feel like people would have just loved the visual view right now
3: Even begin to tell you, I I did not remember this until Bell came on in the car. It was like the last thing, incidentally, that was playing before I pulled into my driveway. Yeah, I I I was trying to reconstruct the scenario that led to this. I performed Bell with two other high school (laughs) students in some kind of weird talent show situation. I don't even know what it was. I just know it was in the context of high school. Me and two other girls. We're singing this song, totally unaware of the kind of (laughs) incredibly queer context, but weird, that (laughs) that kind of creates. I sang Frollo's part. And, um, and and I was like, I'm, I'm still like, how did this even happen? How did we make this happen? I don't remember other people loving this with me, but somehow they were just on board to do it. <laughs> sure. I,
1: I mean, you hear it and it's like, oh, you know, I always hear <laughs> Oh, Lucifer, I say, Oh, des I say, But like, so for, so I knew a couple of songs for, for, for a few years. And then in college, I was doing my basic bitch, taking French, um, kind of French minoring sort of thing. And I had a T.A., who was like the most gorgeous person I'd ever seen in my life. And we were on a unit that was about like kind of government duties and also uh, social justice. And, you know, you're mm. we talking about Les Sans Papiers, Les Sans domiciles. And she was like, yeah. she did that thing that all teachers do. And I love it for them when they're like, finally an excuse to make the students watch a thing I like. And yeah. she made us sit uh-huh. and watch this whole fucking thing like twice. And she was just sitting there. Guyenne, I will always remember you, Guyenne, just uh-huh. sitting there like, doing that thing where she's like watching a room full of like 20 students like watch her favorite thing in the whole world and just like looking back and forth at us and like I and have been just like, that teacher I have <laughs> sure. been that teacher and I have been that student and absolutely I, I'm right. vibing with everything here yes like and that was so then I, I fell really into it for a, a very hot period and had a really bad Notre Dame de Paris kind of like mild obsession it never, it never quite hit like my like my phantom peak by any stretch in the bet but but uh, uh, I did end up seeing it last year when it was at the Lincoln Center, um, oh. with our, with our, with our friend Lindsay, uh, Rebar, yes. uh, we went and saw it, uh, and it was my first time seeing it live. I'd seen like the oh. 2001 Paris recording that we're watching and had seen it multiple times and, but like seeing it live was just like intense. And I have like, some, like, it's one of those things that for me, it's kind of like, um, I love it, but also it's one of those things that is incredibly like, you are either going to love this or hate it. <laughs> and, uh, so I'm always kind to of like, yeah, you know, it's me doing that. And, um when I was pregnant with my daughter five years ago, we were driving up to uh, Montreal uh, for oh. our baby, yeah, for our baby moon. It was also my birthday. I think it was like literally a year before I actually met you, like to the oh day. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, so, so, so sad. But we were like driving up, we went to Montreal and then we went to Quebec City or Quebec and uh, we, while we were there, there was a production of Notre Dame de Paris playing and I was like heavily pregnant and um, like I was like, Nick, can we, I didn't ask if we could go see it. I'd be like, would you be interested in seeing it? And he was like, Angelina, I love you uh <laughs> <laughs> um this trip, uh, we only have like a like a day and a half here. Uh, you know, just trying to find everything. Oh, we had a beautiful time there, but we did not see it. And I was so sad. But then yes, they brought it to the Lincoln Center last summer, and then they had it again this summer there. And uh, I didn't go and see it. But like I was just like,
3: shit, man. <laughs> I'm living I in it now. Met Nick. I haven't met <laughs> yeah. him. But I, I just feel <laughs> like if you say Angelina, I love you, <laughs> yeah, the next thing should be, so of course we're going to do this. As far as I am concerned. Yeah. I think it's yeah. totally reasonable. I'm t- totally I understand. Yeah. But I was yeah. I was still I was still hoping. Yeah. <laughs> but Yes.
1: No. It's uh, just... And as
0: far as uh, as far as my association <laughs> with this, I learned about it three days ago when <laughs> Angie said that this is going to be our next episode. So that's the extent of my feelings about it.
3: Oh boy! I was going to say uh, I, I can't believe I didn't lead with this. I absolutely had in my head uh, on the way here. I was like, God, this is my phantom. Like this is <laughs> like as far as you, this is actually my phantom. It is like. <laughs> It is, this more is that does not
0: epic. bode well for me then. That's, <laughs> that's, so that's, that's, that's not great. That's, your so guys sorry. aren't doing a good job at getting me hyped. <laughs> this
1: is my uh, Roman Empire. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh
0: sorry, God. in the uh, in the interest of time, we do need to move need yeah, to get going fair. with the notes. So, no, fair, um, fair. but we love the we love the enthusiasm. Let's bring it for the second half. Yeah. Uh, but in the meantime, let's get into the notes of Notre Dame de Paris. Notre Dame de Paris is a French language stage musical with music by Ricardo. Oh, I see you put a you put a, a pronunciation guide. Cocheyante. I'm
1: gonna read it as Co-ch-ay-ante. Co-ch-ay-ante. Co-ch-ay-ante.
0: Yeah, Yeah, a nice Chianti. A nice Chianti. Oh uh, a nice Chianti. <laughs> and. <laughs> <laughs> And lyrics by Luc Plamondon. Beautiful. It is based on the novel more commonly known as The Hunchback of Notre Dame, to english English-speaking languages, by our baby girl, Victor Hugo. (laughs) Uh, It's Notre Dame de Paris. Need we summarize this classic tale about social upheaval and heartbreak set against the backdrop of medieval Paris? Must we recount the woes of Quasimodo, the deformed bell ringer of Notre Dame Cathedral, Esmeralda, the young Romani dancer, just trying to get through her damn day and quasimodo's asshole pervert boss the arcadian the archdeacon sorry not arcadian the archdeacon claude frollo no i know it you know it we all know it and if you don't know it you will by the end of this episode (laughs) so let's just say this version is what happens when you take a literary classic throw in a bunch of balls to the wall skrelting numbers giant face mics and enough acrobatics and backflips to legally qualify as a Cirque du Soleil show in some parts of the world
2: God, that's so wow. true yeah
0: uh, will Quasimodo win Esmeralda's heart will justice prevail in the city of Paris are we really living in the time of cathedrals all this and more in Notre Dame
2: de Paris
0: Notre Dame de Paris made its world debut its debut in Paris at the Palais de Congrès in 1998 where it sold over 600,000 tickets in the first six months mm-hmm. before almost immediately launching into equally, successfully, ex- equally successful replicated productions in Canada and across Europe. The original studio cast recreated recording. I'm sorry, I'm going too fast. The <laughs> original studio cast recording crested at number one for 17 weeks on French music charts. While attempts were made to bring this show to English speaking audiences with a truncated production in Las Vegas and a full replica in London, it initially seemed that Notre Dame de Paris fever did not fully catch on with English speaking audiences in the same way. So it's sort of like uh, the soccer. Yeah.
1: (laughs) 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 Yeah. Basically. Uh, Le football. Le football. Le football.
0: Fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you feel about the show, NDPD, ooh, I like that, Mm. made its wildly successful New York City debut at the Lincoln Center in 2022 with a repeated limited run just this past summer. The show has been revived at the Palais de Congrès for its 25th anniversary where it will be running until 2024. So there's
1: nothing stopping us from going to Paris right now and seeing it because it's literally playing in Paris right now. I, okay. I also,
3: yeah. Can we do... No, Thanksgiving seriously, weekend. It's perfect. Right. We can afford it. I'm sure the <laughs> yeah. tickets are cheap. Right, yeah. I, I am like... I mean, I you might be joking, but I am not joking. We, we can do this. I <laughs> we would could. do this with you.
1: Yeah, let's let's just do it. Let's like say fuck it. We'll do it. We'll go and see Notre Dame de Paris in Paris.
3: Like where? Like <laughs> I'm like my birthday <laughs> is in December. It is like only a few weeks away. Uh, we we, we could do we this. Gotta, we're gonna sidebar after this. We can make it
1: happen. Sidebar. sidebar. I have two functioning ki- like you know kidneys for a reason. One can go right. Like it's fine. <laughs> we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. But like I I should also say that this—I didn't put this in the notes—but this has been has so many cast recordings. Like, I, I, I can only maybe think of Phantom and Les Mis as having as many cast recordings as this has. This has like at least thirteen in like eight different languages. Half of them are in French, I should say. But yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah like, I, it, sorry,
0: real quick, which which one are we going to be watching? We for the are show? watching
1: the two thousand one uh, Paris live recording. That is the most widely available one. It's the one that I've seen. Can't wait to watch it again. Um, I'm sure. (laughs) And it's in French. It's in French, yes. It is in French. So uh there will be subtitles. Or also you could just, you know, you know, cover them up with tape and uh, you know, have a good go. My
0: my French is rusty, but I'm sure I could probably stumble my way through it since I famously can figure out lyrics that are sung. Actually, no, that's not true.
3: Even, Even in English, I just can't follow anything. Oh man. The other thing was just that like I actually have a kind of um, weird relationship with French uh, in that it's um, <laughs> so like I say I grew up in Quebec um, I did all my, my schooling in French but um, I also lived in Lebanon for two years when I was a kid um, <clears throat> between of the ages of, of, of seven and nine and uh, yeah. everyone in Lebanon speaks French due to it having been colonized uh, by the French uh, so there, and and there are a lot of weird um intersections of like class and and sectarianism that are to do with French in Lebanon um, but the only the ones that I was aware of as a child uh, were that I went there when I was like just starting school like I, mm-hmm. I had finished grade one in Canada when I came back from having had, like, two years of schooling in French and Arabic, my accent was very European. And suddenly I, like, was introduced to, like, this whole new nexus of, like, coming back into Quebec with this accent of, like, all the weird nuances in francophonie in general, yeah. where mm-hmm. in yeah. Quebec I sounded like a snobby asshole to everyone. Sna- sure. I was just to say you sounded
0: like a snotty European for sure yeah. Yeah. sure. yeah,
3: and I would be, like, the, the most innocuous things, that I, and people would just... I don't know. Like I've had a really hard time in school, but um, but that was one of those things. And the and I was aware of like my parents not wanting me to uh, like get a Quebec accent, even though I that I sort of needed to in order to function socially. To, um, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, there were also like weird things like I don't know. I'm sure Angie knows this actually, but like Quebec cussing is very weird um, I, in a way that I didn't realize at the time, but like all the cussing refers to Catholic iconography. So like, like instead of saying, I don't know, like fuck or damn or whatever, it's like, sti is like, the, like the host is a swear word. And uh, calis, like chalice, is a swear word and stuff like that, and like really bad swear words. But I didn't understand this, so like when I came back to Quebec, I'd hear kids on the playground saying these words I didn't know that didn't actually correspond to words that I knew because of the pronunciation. So they'd say like oh sc sc, and so I was like in class one day and like my pencil snapped and I said oh sc, and the teacher like sent me out of the room <laughs> oh, no. because I was like how oh, dare you. No. Just, like, Damn. So French has always been this like weird area of like constant calibration. Mm-hmm. Um I used to do um I used to do tours for the Haunted Walk of Ottawa in French. Oh, fine. Mm. Um and uh and the and, and it like doing them in English was always super fine, never mattered like who was on the tour. The French tours always made me hyper hyper aware of my like the code-switching elements of is this a group of students from Montreal or is it a group of civil servants from Quebec city, or is it people from Mm -hmm. France or Belgium? And depending on who it was, I felt like I always had to kind of meet them wherever they were because they would judge my fluency based on my accent. So despite the fact that I am completely fluent in French, like I grew up speaking French. So it was like a, to, to speak French was to always be slightly uncomfortable And in school, I massively resent, I was also growing up at like the time of Quebec separatism. So like French, like Quebec nationalism and like all of that connection to French was a big deal. So I I always felt very outside that and very disliking of it. And like, like teachers would sort of police us in the hallways. If they heard anyone speaking English, they would really get on our case about it. Um, And I hated that. But when I started listening to Notre Dame de Paris, I felt like it was a window into just loving French. It was just, like, I loved this with an intensity and a profundity and, like, allowed it to say things to me about my experience of, you know, being in an immigrant family and um, Mm -hmm. just, like, all of the stuff, like, so much stuff to do with Esmeralda. Uh, Like, on the way over here, I literally... uh, (laughs) was not expecting this, but I hadn't listened to it in some time. And it was just like driving along and uh, Bohemian came on. Well, sans Pepi, and then Bohemian. And I just, in Bohemian specifically, there was one line that had never hit me this hard before. And suddenly it did. And I literally had to pull over because I couldn't drive on the highway anymore because I couldn't see through how hard I was crying. Like my eyes hurt too mm. much. Um, and so it's just like it, oh it's gained God. all these layers for me that are entirely yeah. about like The weird geopolitics of French in my life, but this is like one pure gorgeous thing. Anyway, yeah. Now I'm gonna sorry
0: to uh, sorry to cut it short. Yeah, I look forward to uh, also having to pull over and cry, but for very different reasons (laughs) while watching this musical or listening to it. Um, Anyway, guys, we gotta go to break. Yeah, Um, we're gonna go watch Notre Dame de Paris. We're going to wipe off our tears for different reasons and blow our noses, and then come back and reconvene. Yeah. We have returned.
3: We've all got the clap. Best. We, all have the clap, we right? all
1: have the clap. For unrelated reasons, for, for reasons that we shall get into uh, into this podcast. Welcome back to part two. Uh, we all have the yes. clap after watching Notre Dame de Paris. Um, <laughs> starting off on a grave
0: note. What a journey. What
1: a journey. Um,
0: what a journey of of chads and incels yeah. and you know ladies being harassed <laughs> by everybody and I mean honestly uh-huh. this whole thing was basically just like a the comment section of a porn video is how it felt <laughs> of like no. the weirdest yeah. creepiest thing.
1: Uh-huh. Not- just like know. They,
0: someone took that and wrote a musical. Oh, out yeah, of it. Not,
1: not that you would know that, but it absolutely does.
0: <laughs> no, I've never seen pornography, no, but from what would, my friends have told me, the yes.
1: Comment sections, from what I've heard through the grapevine,
3: sound a lot like Notre yes. uh, to Barry. <laughs> they were talking
0: about it in my church group. Oh, yeah. uh, but yes,
3: <laughs> I didn't. I genuinely didn't know this. Wait, I'm sorry. Like, just a pause for my actual innocence yes. here. I didn't know that comments on porn videos were thing oh, is this yeah, 100%. real or, I have only heard it through my friends but they okay. are 100% real <laughs> okay.
0: some it, of it is hilarious yes. some of it's uh, what you expect yeah uh, but there, there are some surprises
2: yeah
1: sometimes you'll have people like going off on like tree is like Victor Hugo does <laughs> about like architecture <laughs> and how it will uh, be replaced by books in the comments like sometimes you'll have people being like they clearly thought right. they were on the um, home country buffet uh, Facebook wall mm-hmm. and leaving comments about gravy and mashed potatoes and then Sometimes you get people saying like, oh, yeah, once people are literate, they're not going to need to believe in God anymore because they will read the Bible for themselves and then realize that it's all that Who it's all it. just, you know, manmade and that we don't need it. So sometimes it's what happens on those websites.
3: <laughs> this is absolutely incredible. A beautiful connection. Tremendous segue. A plus <laughs> plus. I, I just need to first get in the fact that I the thing that I, I love, I feel very tenderly towards this information you have just shared because I just feel like it makes porn watching into a communal activity, yes. which I didn't think that, that the, I, I guess I didn't have a vision in my head of like, like, like regular watchers of porn as particularly like wanting it to have it be mm. a communal activity. But I actually think there's something beautiful about there's, that. Like yeah. more power to the. Or we reach out and through. touch yes. faith. Good, good exactly. on you guys. Again, communication. I restored yeah, your faith great. in humanity
0: by accident. Anyway, let's do the summary real quick. <laughs> right. Okay, we're going to have to do a proper speed run, ladies. Yeah, yeah speed run this. We got, I'm sure <laughs> you both have lots of thoughts to it. So as we expected, Notre Dame de Paris is about basically the hunchback of Notre Dame. Yes. If you've seen the Disney movie, it's more or less, with the exception of a few things, kind of the same, right? Mm-hmm. Plot-wise, yeah. many yeah, similar yeah, beats. yeah very I'd similar say. beats. Yeah, there's the there's the guy who's the hunchback. He's the bell ringer. Quasimodo. There's Frollo who's Quasimodo. Yes, mm. and then there's Frollo the angry dude who hates every again the incels. Yeah, in the incel corner over here, <laughs> we got a couple of these.
1: Right, the uh, the archdeacon Claude Frollo. Uh, basically, we. The horny priest. The horny, so horny priest. We start out in medieval yeah. Paris and we learn that there are a bunch of people petitioning to get into the city and that it is unjust mm-hmm. and an unfair place to be. And as they are being broken up, one of the captain of the guards, Phoebus, sees this like beautiful young Romani woman and is like instantly like, I gotta get in that and uh mm-hmm. yes and she's she's and like for,
0: for context of the story this is basically like on fox news where they're like the caravan is coming oh, and it's like yeah, traveling right, for yeah. six oh, months much. this is yeah. essentially how the story starts it's all yep. Yep. fox news the caravan's coming the immigrants are trying to break it yeah. and seek asylum inside of this church yeah yeah exactly we need to stop them before they bring i don't know jobs or whatever it is that they
1: yell at. Right, exactly. They bring flavor <laughs> to our food. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but so he falls for Esmeralda, who's like this, like kind I guess, kind of naive young Romani woman who uh, falls in love with him immediately too. She sees him and she's like, who's that hot guy?
3: Um, but also he's got Deep a fiance. Cute. Anyway, so... Uh, that fiance yeah. yeah. who... I don't know, like, I just... I, it's the fact that this is actually canon in the story. The yeah. fiance is mm-hmm. 14 years old. Yes, her name's and is And Esmeralda is... Like sixteen, yeah, just, yeah. Just FYI, yeah, yeah. They oh, are. they're that
1: young. They're huh? that. They are no. that young. In fact, oh,
0: this is a straight up teenage story. Then that's very this different is in terms of it's Twilight. It, it's it's never it doesn't play like that necessarily. It no. plays like people in their twenties were all very tragic. That's so funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like Romeo and Juliet almost. Mm-hmm. It's more like yes,
1: yeah. <laughs> a
3: comp I, I definitely wanted to bring in. Yeah,
1: yeah. no, like, yeah. like 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 is like eighteen, I think, in the book. Like mm-hmm. they're they're all oh, young. This, they're like all
0: feels. I feel like they should have said that all the beginning. That 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 feels very different as a story, yeah, knowing that now. Yeah,
1: yeah. They, they're yeah. all they're all babies, and I get that it was medieval yeah. France, but still, it's like these are, these are all teenagers, uh, pretty this much. This is
0: Degrassi. <laughs> this is a straight up like fucking teen show, it, it, is what it is. It's
1: issues for the teenagers being delivered in a very mm-hmm. powerful way. Um, but wow. so basically, anyway, sorry, I yeah. keep derailing this. No, yes. it's okay. Uh, so basically, um, Esmeralda falls for him, but uh, Phoebus already has like a uh, well-to-do fiance named Fleur de Lis, and uh, so basically, he's uh, like getting his pants getting t- taking his pants off for everybody. Meanwhile, the Archdeacon Frollo sees Esmeralda and is immediately like, I also would like to bang that. Uh, everybody, everybody, everybody wants to bang Esmeralda. And uh, so there's like basically the big festival of fools happens. Quasimodo is introduced. He is also like, I want to bang Esmeralda. Um <laughs> Just so much. Every just, this girl cannot Everybody catch a break, does. and so basically, is like, yeah. "Hey, Quasimodo, go kidnap Esmeralda for me." But Quasimodo gets caught, and of course, there's the big scene where he's you know put on the wheel, and then Esmeralda's like, "No, it's cool, it's fine. Like we all we all have our bad. <laughs> you you were a little weird there, but I understand." And then he's like, "Oh no, I'm more in love with her because they do that." And so they're all singing about her, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. Phoebus is like, "Hey, Esmeralda, come meet me at a brothel. So because you're in love with me, and I just really just want to bang you, and that's about it." But she's like, "Oh, he loves me," and so she goes to meet him. And they are about to sleep together, but Frollo sneaks up and just, like, stabs Esmeralda.
0: Fucking stabs him.
1: Fucking stabs him. Stabs Phoebus. Yeah, Yeah, Phoebus. Phoebus. Stabs Phoebus. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. just stabs Phoebus, so Esmeralda gets the blame. Also, I should say, this is all being narrated by a character named Gringoire, who's a poet. I'll get into that later about
3: this character. But uh, he... uh, The only one who doesn't want to bang Esmeralda. The only
1: one, and he's he's married to her. Basically, what happens is he ends up going into, like, the... uh, 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 court the Court miracles. of Miracles, where all the outcasts of Paris live, and like they're like, You're not allowed to be here, you normie. And then, like, he almost dies. But Esmeralda's like, I'll marry him, so you guys will leave him alone. But then she's like, I have no interest in you whatsoever. FYI, I just wanted to save you. But anyway, so Esmeralda's f- framed for Phoebus' <coughs> almost murder. And then the next act begins with like, basically, like, We gotta save Esmeralda. Quasimodo's like, I gotta save her. I love her. And uh, uh, all of the outcasts of Paris are like, We gotta save Esmeralda. She's our queen. But Frollo's like, torturing her and basically giving or the ultimatum that like if you do not like decide to like love me i will let them execute you and esmeralda's like fuck you dude i absolutely will not i'm hoping phoebus will save me uh, which he has no interest in doing whatsoever he is the ultimate fuck boy but basically quasimodo and friends break her out (laughs) she's in the cathedral but then um they're all basically killed because like you, you know you can't really stand up and fight city hall at the end of the day and um yeah Like, Fetus Ice Cold lets her die. Esmeralda is um, hung. Uh, Quasimodo kills Frollo when he finds out that Frollo is the reason why this all happened. And then Mm. Quasimodo just is like, oh no. Uh, In the book, there's like a little epilogue where the author, who is Victor Hugo, finds their skeletons entwined together. And then he like touches it and then it collapses into dust. And it's like the saddest ending to anything ever. And that's basically the
3: plot. Very bleak. Yeah. So that's that's that. Can, can I invite you to imagine that I uh, as a child <laughs> who had just watched the Disney film and absolutely loved it mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. picked up um, Notre Dame de Paris the novel in French and read it and got to the end where uh, <laughs> where Esmeralda is like they, they burn her in the book right like, they want to burn her and no, she' like she's hung in the book. She's, she's hung in She's hung oh, okay. in the book, yeah. Well, they're, she's, she's hanged. She's hanged, hanged by the neck book. until hanged then. Hanged, Oh you cannot get away from this. As now I realize why
0: they corrected it to hanged instead yeah, of yeah, hung. Yeah. Oh my God, Hound it is finally for horses. makes
3: sense. Hanged is for the <laughs> gibbet. Um, but yeah, so the that's literally how I was taught to differentiate <laughs> those things as a... As a tour guide, um, but anyway, yeah. The thing is, in the book, there is a moment where, like, she's taken down from the from the gibbet, and uh, she, like, I was waiting. I was like, any second now, she's gonna come back to life, like in the movie where right. that's where they were mm-hmm. burning her, and she's like, got smoke inhalation or whatever. Yeah. And uh, spoilers: she, she doesn't. She doesn't come back to life. She is dead. Not also, dead. in the book. In the book, like Gringoire has the option yes. to save her. Yes. And he chooses to save her goat. Yeah. She has a goat in the book that is very charming and playful. And he's like, I can't let this goat die. So he, he that's fucking. You're
0: losing money, man. Yeah. that's like You're making money when you got a goat. That's an yeah. asset. This goat can yeah. spell like out her name. property at that day. Yeah. yeah. She
3: can spell
1: yeah. out her name with her hoof. And like, yeah. yeah. Once Gringar realizes that Esmeralda is like, you're not in this love tetrahedron that I'm in in any capacity. He's like, I think I just like that goat. Like, he's like literally yeah. standing there, and you could see him yeah. like doing like the trolley problem in his head, where he's like, should I save Esmeralda <laughs> so or should I save this goat? And he's just like, I'm just gonna take the goat. And I remember reading that as like a high schooler and being like, what the fuck? How dare you? this woman cannot you. win this woman is having the worst day of her life and this it's guy so chooses a goat over her
3: anyway, to be the goat not in the musical but i bring it up only to say that like it was a, a devastating difference to realize um that like uh, esmeralda's end in this like uh, being in the musical uh, a much more like you know being a point of view character instead of mm-hmm. uh, and being someone who you know a teenage girl of you know uh middle eastern extraction might identify Mm -hmm. with and stuff was like what the what excuse me excuse me this is what she gets like um it was very upsetting
1: yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. um and and, you know it's interesting because like it's it's you know obviously we're talking about this adaptation in particular but like um Mm -hmm. out of all of the adaptations I feel like this one kind of hews the closest to the actual source material cuts oh, yeah, a bunch yeah. of shit that I'm like thank god they cut that but it does actually kind of sit in the fact that like no this is sad no the times are always updating but we do not get to live in those times it's for the next generation yeah. to see like the means of communication are powerful and how, and whose hands they pass through are, are how stories get told like like it sits in that yeah. more than like um, a lot of like how other adaptations want to sit with the melodrama of it all of, of the, oh, yeah, yeah like which yeah. does exist in this. They're literally like Absolutely. in the closing number as he's holding Esmeralda's corpse, there's like Cirque du Soleil, like cereals going on. And I'm that losing my wild fucking mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it's I forget how kind of ridiculous a lot of the staging in this is. I'm like, what was the thought process here because it is like mm-hmm. balls to the whole wall like I love it um but yeah uh, it's, e- it's
0: very Cirque du Soleil and it's it's very 90s yes. specifically like yes so this yes. is 98 I believe was the year that this came out yeah. I mm-hmm. was like I was totally to be totally honest like dying laughing at parts of this <laughs> I because understand. it then, yes. reminded me of like My mom driving me to school in like (laughs) 1997, 1998, listening to like the radio station back home would have been quite like Mm KOID, which is. I could, you can know everything that you uh, Everything you want to know about that radio station Was that it was like The greatest hits of the 70s, uh, 80s And today it was like 96.5
2: <laughs> uh,
0: K-O-I-T So that was that was the vibe of like uh-huh. everything yeah. Of like the outfits, of the music yes. The like outfits The style the of outfits, music the
1: outfits. Can it's, I ask you Did you have Delilah on that 90s. channel? Did you have Delilah on that radio station? Like she was like the I soft rock late night host It was a lot host. of
0: Celine Dion at yes. that time It was Kenny G. Yeah. Yeah. Celine, is Dion. Celine Dion, okay. butterfly kisses at night, oh, right. you know, that, that, uh, all Lady that shit. in
3: Red, like... Uh, lady you, in Red, like, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um. Can I just say, like, Celine Dion, uh, our, our national icon in Canada. <laughs> yes, uh, of course. Oh, uh, yeah. Just, like, I unironically, you know, grew up loving Celine Dion, and also listening to her French albums. Like, the, the, like her yes. French albums are really good. Like, before she became, you know, belting international superstar of Key changes and belting, ultimately, you which know we love her for of too. Uh, which I absolutely love her for too. She was like, you know, a a just like Quebec treasure, essentially. Of like, um, and and she has like this these really sweet albums and yeah. in French that well, I loved. Luke Macdon,
1: the lyricist for this, has written songs for her yes. and her her French albums. For and Celine. <laughs> yes. okay, yes. I, don't, I don't find yeah. that
0: surprising. Yeah, I think it could be best described what i was telling sarah was like it's kind of like mom rock yeah, like the yeah. 90s like oh, mom it's, rock it's yes. got that like yeah, that classical guitar that like has yes. that sort of Spanish it's, flair to it. It's, an, it's like 90s it's it's spa music. It's a pastiche. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's
1: like I would hear this in the spas. I'm getting rubbed down. Like some of the songs uh-huh. just like have that vibe <laughs> or like I'm okay. booting up in Carta. Uh, like it just has like...
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Wow, that's <laughs> so, like, a throwback. I started to say this last, uh, before, the, before the break, but like a, a lot of the stars in both the original cast and the touring cast are Quebec pop stars. So like in the version that yeah. I saw, um, Mario Pelchat was uh, was Quasimodo, um, who uh, is beloved of my mom, literally, uh, partly because he has a song called Les Cedres du Liban, because I think he he certainly was at the time. I, don't, I certainly hope still is, but uh, was married to a Lebanese woman. And so mm. he like wrote this song about like, like, um our peuple fall. He's a member of know. the family. We yeah. understand what that's like when <laughs> you know, somebody exactly. famous marries
0: one of our people. 100%! Britney Spears' his husband. I was so excited about that for a minute and then sadly that that, <laughs> I I love that, that, was, that. was a big loss for us. It was a oh. huge loss for the Iranian community. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. sorry, continue. But it's
3: exactly like that. So, like, um so Bruno Pelletier, uh, Garou, um, Mario Pelcha uh, Danielle Lavoie like all of these people were people I heard on the radio as well and yeah. so to like hear them in this show was like oh wow like now they, they have a character that I see them as as oh, well sure, but like yeah. just uh, the, the further 90s-ness of it though I really like I did not appreciate this at the time because I was steeping steeped in it as I was like watching the the touring production in Toronto um, but the costumes mm. are hilarious in their they, oh, they're they so in this- 90s they're so 90s Phoebus. Phoebus, like, I'm so used to armor now being, like, drawn from the MCU and being, like, you know, hard, stuff that's fit to you. Phoebus' armor, his, like, chain mail is just an oversized sleep shirt. Like... Just it, it's so funny. And the uh, everyone is wearing some combination of like tunic over trousers right. kind of thing. Yep. With like yep. jewel baggy. tones.
1: Like Esmeralda's dress to me is like something that you would get at like Chico's in the late nineties. Mm-hmm. Um or oh, like yeah. you buy it at the no, Renaissance. Food. Dress. Yes, yes, oh she's getting dealyas. Yes. Su- she's oh, getting deal she's got the crunchy curls, she's got the pink uh-huh. spaghetti dress. I'm like, this yes. is honestly with the way that fashion is cyclical, I'm like, she could honestly walk down the street and that today and you'd be like, yeah, flirtily, (laughs) you're Like this. Oh
2: yeah, no, the um and
1: just like even like my
0: favorite was the was the I'm sorry, what was the narrator's name?
1: Uh his coat. That
0: that guy with the hair number one the hair. (laughs) (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm.
0: The coat. The hair and the coat. Just the whole thing to me, I was like, is this what it's like to go to Burning Man now? Like all these (laughs) outfits and like
3: these (laughs) The way they sing songs.
0: I was like, that's what it felt like when I was watching it. It's so strange.
3: Yeah. I would wear Gringoire's coat in a heartbeat. I (laughs) love that long blue trench coat. (laughs) I want it. I also want those makeup looks to come back from him. Oh my God. I love that. The the contouring on his nose is my
1: favorite thing (laughs) in the world. Like, I love it. It looks like a comic all of the women look more less no it looks like a Vegas
0: show now basically is yeah. what it feels mm. like it looks like if you go see Cirque du Soleil or something in Vegas in the year 2023 yeah is mm. sort of what it felt like to me in terms of those costumes and the outfits yeah. and it, how they look
1: yeah it looks like in a Julie Taymor movie when like things get surreal and they kind of do prosthetics yeah. to like background characters like in Titus yeah. or in Across the Universe where everything is just super exaggerated and sharp and uncomfortable and I don't want to mm-hmm. look at it because yeah. it makes me feel weird things Um but that's yeah a lot of the makeup is like that and I like that most like the women look fairly normal, but all of the guys are just like wearing <laughs> the absolute most. Yeah. Not even Kazimoto who you would think, okay, sure, he gets that, but it's no. like the
0: guys are he's just straight up got like spiked hair. He looks like a skater boy with like you know, he, looks, <laughs> he like looks like he's looks in some forty
3: one. Right, like he, he looks yeah, like the yeah. offspring. It never struck me before, but right. now I'm like can't get away from it. It's like yeah, absolutely. he's he's Devin
1: Sawa on SLC Punk. Like it is just like oh my yeah, God. It, is, yeah. it is it is yeah. it is the most nineties. And I love it. Like, I love also like all of the background dancers are wearing like, I don't know, like these beige, like B-boy, like the women well, they're are straight up it's like out of an grime. Enya
0: music video yeah. of some sort. They all have yeah. like negative 5% body fat oh, and they're I, wearing like the shortest shorts and just break dancing. The yes. entire It's the strangest, painfully French thing I've ever seen in a <laughs>
1: musical. That is like, what, how, it's like, how do I describe this aesthetic that doesn't sound like. Uh, Too condescending, but it's like painfully French is probably it. Like this, this is, it is. Yeah.
3: There was something that I found myself curious about what, like I'm very curious about your reactions to uh, on kind of two fronts. Um, Mm -hmm. One of them is I was looking at the choreography and I kept, Mm -hmm. uh, this is not something that I, again, I was not in a position to appreciate this when I was 15 or 16, whenever I watched this. Um, Mm -hmm. But I felt there was something that was I guess if I wanted to be um, to be giving it credit, it looked improvisational a lot of the time. They clearly got very athletic people to do a lot of tumbling and acrobatics. And mm-hmm. le- that surely had to be calibrated and, and precise. But the effect on the stage was one of just a kind of improvisational tumult in a lot of the numbers. It felt like um, a lot of the time the dancers are sort of illustrating in the background what is happening narratively in the foreground. But the, the look of it is, is of a bunch of people just told, yeah, just kind of dance around, you know, just kind of like, just kind of dance around in the background. And it it didn't, I think what you're saying too is actually,
0: yeah, I think what you're talking about is probably a reason for it's, success in its translation Mm -hmm. into so many different languages and being in a big international production i like the way you put it because to me i was like what the fuck is going on like i'm my adhd is going off the rails which it always does when i'm watching a show Mm -hmm. but the idea that they're doing like an interpretive dance to the events of the of the story and sort Mm -hmm. of expressing it in a way where the language is not necessarily that important Mm
1: -hmm. i think
0: actually probably leads to that that's actually really interesting
1: yeah it does that thing where it's like oh like Phantom and Lion King are successful because you don't really have to know what's going on. And the visuals, especially with the Lion King, are just doing so much heavy lifting that even if you didn't know the Mm -hmm. Lion King, you'd be like, "Okay, I get what's going on here.
3: No, the the question I had for the two of you, uh, because I I only kind of became aware of this because I was watching the show um, that we all watched, like the the video with my um, with my husband and a friend, neither of whom speak French. So they were relying heavily on the subtitles and every now and then they would read the subtitles out loud because I mm-hmm. was like blissed out, just like literally singing along to the show. These are two people who love me very much and I'm very <laughs> grateful for their indulgence. Uh, but the but yeah, they would say these subtitles and then I would pay attention to the subtitles. And I'd be like, the subtitles are trash. They are not translating even the spirit of the words. And I found myself wondering, like, I think I I tried to take note of some of them because they seemed so atrocious and because so much of my experience of the show was of you know the memorizing the soundtrack a lot of the poetry of the lyrics and stuff like that is really what sells the show for me and I found myself in that kind of uncomfortable wait no no no, let me defend to you the the French which is not being accurately Mm -hmm. translated here but I'm really curious to know what you guys uh well specifically what Kaveh made of it because like I know that that Angie like you know you have love for it one way or another but like what did any translations jump out at you?
0: I, you know, I, I do speak some French. Um, I, I did used to speak oh, okay. French fluently. I'm, I'm very rusty now because it's been quite a long time. Um, right. But I, like I said in the first half, I'm terrible at like even in English, like processing what is being sung in terms of lyrics as I'm listening to a song. I right. tend to uh, true true to my word as being a guy, I'm like, I can't multitask. So it's like ah. I can either focus on a melody or I can't focus on the lyrics. So mm. I-, I can't walk and chew gum at the same time. So. Uh, I, I'm actually really curious though what, what what were some of the translations that you wrote down that you felt like were oh my god not, uh, I will say
1: oh can I just like oh, yeah. interrupt the oh, one the please, first please. the first because it had yeah. been a while since I'd seen this and like again so much is like implanted in my brain that like well I speak a little bit of French but I, and I know what it's saying and I've heard these songs so many times but watching it with the subtitles I actually did notice a couple things even at my rudimentary level and I was like is that really what they're saying? Like, I don't think like even the fact that they choose to call like the Court of Miracles a den of thieves. I was like, In- interesting. What? Like, like I that, yeah. that I was like, no. Um, but it was like that the was a big one. Yeah, it was like the what's the the liber- like libéré, évadé, échappé, yeah. envolé, enfant. Some of the some of the I think that was another one that I was like, is that what they mean? Like, some of these I think are they're taking a little bit of poetic license here with what's being said. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I did notice it even at my own like rudimentary level, like being like,
2: huh, mm-hmm.
1: interesting. And then like I went to go through the YouTube comments, and someone else was like, these subtitles are garbage and i was just like wow damn came out for that but those are the these are the official subtitles too which is like interesting oh my to me. gosh yeah I,
3: I i wondered if they were official or not because i looked at them and i was like if some enterprising youth did this on youtube <laughs> sure. as like an act of service to a community i wouldn't be as hard on it but it they're really like i wish more poetic license was taken because they, they somehow both failed to, like, accurately translate the lyrics and also failed mm-hmm. to give a spirit of what was actually being said in a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. so, like, in, in the song that um, Esmeralda and uh, Quasimodo sing together in Notre Dame, and they're like, um, Notre Dame de Paris, il fait toujours beau, and so on. The lyric is, like, it's always comfy. It's what? like... Yes. It's always comfy in this cathedral. is what the original word was? Yeah. Yeah, was. yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's Beaux,
1: remotely it's like, the same. It's, it's yeah. always comfy no. in Notre Dame. Like, it's always sunny in It's always comfy in Notre Dame. It's always comfy in
3: Notre Dame.
0: It's not that hard of a word to translate.
3: Yeah. No. Um, there was also, um, this, was, this was a little bit more of a complex one for me, but because it's really woven into the themes that I see, like, deeply care about, um... There's in the Ave Maria, Payen, the like the the pagan Ave Maria that Esmeralda sings. um, uh, There's the line uh, "Tes étrangers, ils viennent de partout," and so I would translate that as "Your strangers come from everywhere," and like the with Mm -hmm. specifically the intent that like people who worship you, Maria, uh, come from all over, right? Mm-hmm. The, the translation is foreigners are everywhere, which Fox a translation that you could possibly have. And I was just like, this is a really beautiful and really important sentiment that is kind of. Yes. Tied stranger together. and foreigner
0: is like very different, very yeah. different.
3: And the the places where they choose to use foreigner versus stranger are not consistent and are not thought, thought through in my opinion. And I think Mm -hmm. that like a lot gets lost there. Um, But, uh, but anyway, like it cheapens it.
0: Yeah, you're right. Yeah.
3: It feels very self-loathing
1: like Esmeralda, like, Whoa, what's going on here, which is absolutely the opposite case of what that character's intentions, especially in this version are interesting. Yeah.
3: It also, that's just like while I'm on that particular song, (laughs) I had forgotten. And this really annoys me because it was something that I adored listening to the album but like you know, the the first line of that song is you know, Maria, forgive me if I stand before you. I mm. never learned to kneel, and then she's kneeling on the stage. <laughs> she's just like she's kneeling while she talks about not kneeling, and and like it's such a it's such a like hardcore line when you hear it. Like the idea that you know, uh, I'm not I'm not Christian actually. Like I am. From elsewhere, I like the, the pagan thing keeps coming up in particular, yeah. which I think is really interesting in a France context. It's like I it never occurred to me as a teenager who was very like witchy and neo-pagan to try and read it as like Muslim at all. Um, yeah. But I think that I kind of have to read that overtone into it um, in, in this show. So uh, that's another thing that's of interest to me. But, sure. Yeah, well, that's that's actually really interesting,
1: too, because like, um y- if, if going back to the book, Esmeralda, I, you know, love her, but she is a teenage girl and she's not particularly yeah. like the book itself is not particularly social justice um, oriented on a mm. narrative scale. It's kind of a lot more yeah. cynical about it. Not in the way that, like, La is sad and depressing, but there is a, a very um, progressive, if not optimistic, look about society. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame de is not that. But um, yeah. since, I guess, basically the Charles Loughton movie, which is, like, my favorite adaptation of, of mm. this, probably, it, that's, like, where you see that pivot of, like, no, Esmeralda is, like, the social justice queen who's here to fight for her yeah. people. And that is, like, the through line in this one, too. And so when she says, like, oh, I don't actually come to kneel before you, like, it is just, mm. like, this, like, meeting on a one to one of like women who suffer and i'm like that's really yeah. cool and that is lost like in in that like like hmm interesting sorry <laughs>
3: getting deep in like Notre Dame de Paris feelings and holy, translate yeah, yeah. across
1: time but uh It's yeah. the
3: only moment in the play where one could argue that it passes the Bechtel Wallace <laughs> <as well. laughs> <Right. laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Only one woman is here. and <laughs> right. are yeah. speaking. Yeah yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, Mary's just a but, really good yeah. listener. Like she's speaking, she's, she's speaking right, with exactly. her silence. She speaks with her silence, as <laughs> as God does in this by not helping anybody. Let's yeah. uh-huh. um, just just putting it out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Inter- interesting, interesting. Because I was just kind of like watching it, having like listened to it so many times and seen it enough mm-hmm. times, where I was like, oh yeah, and hadn't really thought about that. Like there were a couple of things just that were literal that I was like, okay, that's yeah. interesting. But uh, huh, huh. That good, 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 good stuff to bring up. Um, again, yeah. I'm pretty sure those are the official subtitles, but if they are just some teenager who means super well, um, yeah. you know, Godspeed little doodle and thanks. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm used to like listening to other musicals that I like being translated into other shows. Like there was just a, a Madrid production of Company and Sondheim is like always really fascinating to me to yeah. see how they translate, like with all the elaborate Absolutely. wordplay and just like... um. Mm-hmm just just conversational feelings of Sondheim lyrics, like how does that carry over and what dramatically changes. But this is like very much in yeah. the opposite face of what this show oh, is yes. about. So interesting, interesting,
3: interesting. Strange, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, there's the one other one I'll, I'll flag up just because I felt like this was a, a significant erasure in my reading of the play. Um, Gringoire and Esmeralda, when they are talking in the wake of Esmeralda having married him to save his life at the Court of Miracles, um, he says... Je ne suis pas un homme à femme. Si tu veux, je ferai de toi mon, um, ma muse, something, madame. Right? Oh, yeah. He's like, be my, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gender yeah, neutral. He's like, yeah, be my muse. Yeah. But, but he says, je ne suis pas un homme à femme. To me, uh, that means he's saying, I'm gay. Like, mm. the, like, Gringoire is oh. like, and, like, See, you I would he's saying, I'm
0: not a man or a woman. Uh, yeah,
3: basically. I'm not a man I'm for a women.
1: Like, basically. Yeah. 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 And the,
3: the translation, uh, exactly. The translation yeah. says, I'm not a ladies' man. Yeah. But I'm like, Dude, you,
1: oh, you... I
0: thought you were saying homme um, aux femme, like man or woman.
3: All this to say, I read Gringoire as gay. Like, I, I read him as, like, a French street poet who is... um, Or even, like, doesn't have to be gay. He's just not interested in women. And to say that... um, And, like, he he doesn't sexualize Esmeralda at all throughout the book. Yeah, he calls her one. an angel. He calls her a muse. Like, when he follows her, and that's how he ends up in the Court of Miracles... It, it like what he says in the song is ce soir j'ai rencontré un ange um it's like this this i met an angel tonight like he's enchanted mm-hmm. by her um but he isn't horny for her um the way every other type of guy yeah. in this musical <laughs> all the types of guys out so, yeah. at great detail yeah. like the horniness that they have and god Belle <laughs> is such a unbelievably uncomfortable song yeah. to like yeah mis-
1: yeah. everyone's looking under her skirt right exactly
3: and I'm like, oh my
2: god
0: i like half the musical half the musical is just one solo after another about the guy that wants to
3: bang her yeah it's yeah. really yeah. crazy it's really Deschiré, yeah. Deschiré. yeah god or Torn. okay talking about goofiness too thinking of like the staging of this tu vas me détruire a song i have adored for a long time give me many feelings when you see it on stage Daniel Lavoie is just like being comically crushed between these two giant pillars uh which are a kind of costume right like these are I think there are doors in the back of them and there are performers who are moving these giant columns with gargoyles on top around the stage and during Tu va me détruire like uh Daniel Lavoie is just kind of pushing these pillars apart and then they're crushing him. It's like he's in a trash compactor it's, in Star Wars. It's, it's turns so, into Star Wars. It's
1: so literal and I love it yeah, so much. They had the first idea and they went with it. It's like so um, went with it. it's like the, the yep. scene where like uh yeah is about to get, you know, uh almost killed in the Court of Miracles and they just put him in a bag and I did like just yeah. straight up start thing. Right, right. I just was like
0: a burlap sack.
1: <laughs> like he's going oh in the gosh. bag.
0: About to roll him up in a carpet and throw him off a bridge. <laughs> <laughs> right,
1: exactly. <laughs> it's That's so exactly wild. Good. Yeah. Oh, God. God. Just, just so many choices made. Uh, and again, mm-hmm. all of this interlaced with so much break dancing. Like every now and then, you just mm-hmm. be like oh, the yes! most.
0: Every scene. Yeah.
1: Every scene. It's, just. And
0: they're also doing like capoeira or something yeah. in the background at one point, uh-huh, and then they're yeah. like rock climbing.
1: Yeah. Yes. There's it's, there's yeah. so, so really much parkour. There is... Uh, yeah,
0: parkour is what they're doing for sure. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. flips. And, and what's interesting to me, too, is, like, there's not an orchestra for this. They are doing this all to, like, basically a pre recorded track. Like, I yes. think pretty much... There's no orchestra, so it's, like, there's, mm-hmm. like, zero room. It's interesting because when we were talking about improvising, I was like, I wonder how true that is just because, like, the music huh. is on a single track. There is no room right. for, like, an orchestra to pause. uh right. For the singers, I'm just kind of like, oh, fuck, that's, like terrifying because like you don't have a pit (laughs) following you you gotta stay on track like night after night after night after night um so yeah like i'm just like i don't know that's also fascinating to me because normally it's like such a frowned upon thing to have like Mm -hmm. a a you know, background track playing as opposed to an or- yes. orchestra or some sort of live accompaniment. But this is like, nope, we're doing it. And I think the chorus is also pre-recorded too, because all the chorus is absolutely huh. doing backflips and shit, and like yeah, doing flips yeah, and yeah. shit in yeah. the words of "The Lonely Island." And I guess that that would be incredibly hard to sing and do that at the same time. Uh, it's not about the uh, it's not about the theater in the way that I think a lot of American or English speaking audiences are like. No, mm-hmm. you go and you have the orchestra, which is not to say that is not appreciated in l'espèce spectacle in France, but. Um, <laughs> Like, there's like no. We're just we're not we're doing the vibe. We're here for vibes. We're not here for. Yeah, I'd say
0: vibes is like a good a good summary. Yeah. This yeah. is all about like its own yeah. specific Ve- 1997, very serious 90s rock vibe.
1: Yes, you like know? I'm looking at yeah. Andre Bocelli video. Like Andre Bocelli was like the other person. I'm like, is this is like Conte Partiro uh, aesthetics going on here right now. Like I expect Sarah Brightman to show up in this. It's at very. Any- it's <laughs> also
0: very. Uh, it's <laughs> Fleetwood Mac revival of the '90s, like Stevie Nicks,
3: right? Yes, yeah. Oh my gosh, I love hearing you guys say this because, again, I feel like so much of the experience of watching this right now is sort of appreciating. The water I was swimming in, you know, yeah, when, yeah. when like I was sixteen and didn't like appreciate the the cultural um, zeitgeist that I was a part of and stuff. But mm-hmm. actually, you know, feeding a lot of that back into the of, of course, all of these say, of course, uh, Stevie Nicks, of course, Sarah Brightman, like, of course, but uh, Andre Bocelli, um, all of that. And I think the the thing, Angie, you were saying about respect uh, that 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 actually was something that was very much at the forefront of my mind watching this especially because I have been um, like taking in a lot more shows from an American tradition and not like really putting them in conversation with each other at all with this and looking at this, like I I found myself struck with a few things. One is the relentless key changes that we (laughs) talked about um, before (laughs) where like my, my husband was, was very, um, uh, I say, he was he was very amused one uh, of the things was like i guess it's just at some point you decide you don't want to write any more music and yeah. so you just keep like just transposing it and transposing it building but, the intensity building the intensity but i do feel like there's a th- there's a thematic like rationale for it to me but there's also the fact that that is what everyone was doing in every pop song in a way that I feel we are kind of losing like people don't do key changes in songs anymore when it was like absolutely guaranteed to me in anything I listened to on the radio um, up until probably 2003 uh, and in this case, though, like, there's so much verticality to the show. There's so much, um, you know, it's about cathedrals Ooh, and the fancy. cathedral song. I, oh, is, you're yeah. t- I like Ooh, it. Right? Yeah. Like, I'm he sorry. Here's, here's a my a visual
0: metaphor. I love it.
3: Yeah. Here's my close reading of Notre Dame. It's like, it's, yeah. it's about Notre Dame de Paris. Il est venu le temps des cathédrales is like full on vaulting, like one scale at a time until you get to the top. But it's also about like this escalation of tensions between these mm-hmm. different groups, mm-hmm. right? Like. Um, the 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 climax of uh, Le temps des cathédrales is il est foutu Le temps des cathédrales la foule des barbares est aux portes de la ville laissez entrer ces païens ces barbares and so on like the, I, those words like really I glommed onto them as as a child wanting to be like yeah yeah I fucking am yeah <laughs> I am your <a> barbarian <laughs> at the gates you jerks and stuff like they were really important to me and then like les sans following immediately onto that and also having its series of escalations uh within that kind of just sets up for me like the two pillars of um the the what the show is actually about for me like it, it is to me about those clashing tensions much more than it is about people be like perving over esmeralda um and i this this was the first time that i actually felt like those two things sometimes lost each other, um, like in the actual performance of the show, but the spectacularness of it is the thing that kind of makes room for all of them. If it were, if it were a Broadway show, Mm -hmm. I would expect those things to be a lot more integrated with each other than they are um, on, on a pace level, right? Like, Um, And and I think the the entracte would would like make a different set of things happen. But because there is that sense of vaulting spectacle, bigness of everything, including like the the bigness of horny feelings, it like it's just sort of has a vertical horny feelings. Let's be clear here. Yes. The very. Yeah. Yeah. Elevated, vertical, (laughs) horny. Well,
1: it's interesting because like uh, Disney, Disney for a long time tried to make Notre Dame de Paris or or Hunchback Notre Dame, their version of it, uh, a stage show, and for a long time it had success in Mm. Germany, and it was still fairly close to the movie, but it changed the ending where Quasimodo and Esmeralda die, but it's still pretty close to the movie. And then about almost like uh, times a flat circle, I'm like, it was actually probably closer to like seven or eight years than like two years, like I thought in my head. They uh, redid Mm -hmm. the book to make it even closer to the book, but it's still like tremendously character driven and so like mm-hmm. as, you know Esmeralda dies Quasimodo dies Quasimodo's deaf like he is in the book uh yeah they keep they keep oh, he's his, deaf in the book yeah he's deaf in the book
0: yeah the the bells and shit yeah bells
1: and shit yeah bells and shit man yeah. um they keep that they use the sign language <laughs> in that and like that was but, the
0: technical term at the time
1: bells and shit from all the bells and shit um but uh, like basically they still kind of keep it and I feel like maybe this is just like such an American theater thing like they are unable to let go of the main drama and that it has to be character driven mm. and I was trying to like think mm-hmm. really hard about like the few French musicals that I know besides this and then like oh what's the Romeo and Juliet one that they did like it really mm. is like this idea of theme driving the story more or philosophy yeah. than like it actually being character driven is kind of like yeah. and also I think they tend to take themselves a little bit more seriously than um. Mm-hmm. not serious the tone a little bit more seriously it's not than the, or it's like a little more self serious than I think uh, American musicals tend to be um, so like mm-hmm. that was kind of like my, my how do I say this I feel like American musicals are more traditionally character driven and these are just mm. yeah like Philosophy, or yeah, just 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 vibes driven vibes right, is the key right. here. <laughs> and then like German I, I musicals think, are just uh, camp. I love German musicals, but anyway, sorry, yeah.
0: Right. No, I was gonna say too is like I think Americans are much more resistant to something that would be like if you're gonna push something on an American audience that's vibe based, yeah. Like, you know, we are deeply, as you always point out, Angie, like we're all irony poisoned and have like a ah. thick layer of like <laughs> Right. <laughs>
1: That's why defense I'm sitting here laughing us. about this show. Yeah. I'm like, I've seen this, but I'm From still like. like- I,
0: I can't engage with this in like a serious way. I have to make fun of like every single aspect of it, which is like, you know, the American sense of humor that sort of Mark Twainian whatever mm. uh, is so deeply embedded in us that like we cannot just, ex- ex- you know, we can't let something be nice and just enjoy it for the vibes. We have to tear it down. Uh, so, yes, I, I agree with what you're saying. I think that's also what puts it, it, it was also probably what made this like not as big of a musical in the States and outside the States mm. is like Americans are just going to look you up and down and be like, what whatever, bro. Nice, nice hair.
1: Yeah. And then, that's it.
0: That's all. and then you're just never recover. You're devastated.
1: Well, it is interesting to me that like when they went back and did stages in New York last year and then this year, too, like it was sold out. Mm. There are all these Americans who really mm. wanted it. And I don't know how much of it is just like, yeah, a bunch of us saw this in French class in high school and how much of it is just like huh. this kind of conversation about being irony poison that's now like way more mainstream than it than it was say in the 90s when we were all watching this as teenagers <laughs> like that the fact that people are like i'm gonna go out and i'm gonna go see notre dame de Paris, and i'm gonna sit through this thing that yeah, is uh, that is only two hours and 15 minutes but it feels like it's four hours and we are gonna have like the time of our fucking lives which i did do last yeah. year and i loved every minute of
0: it i'm gonna wear my bucket it. hat i'm
1: and it's all I'm gonna coming bring
0: my out. My rollerblades, just going to throw back and like live what it was, pretend what it was like. It's like a '90s mom cosplay.
1: Yeah, mm. yeah, exactly. You know, and I am now a '90s mom. Like that's the thing. Like I have turned into true. my you mother. Are. I have so much turned into that's my not mom. Even cosplay for you? It's no, a throwback. I am my mom, especially that's now true. that I have a kid. And I'm just like, oh. the, what was my mom doing? She was sitting there listening to Conte Partie Row and watching the George R. R. Martin Beauty and the Beast starring Ron Perlman. And and probably if she had known this, she would have loved the fuck out of this. And now that is just that is simply me. That's me. Oh, my God.
0: Thanks. And the and speaking to the mom thing, too. The other thing I laughed at really hard was like, <laughs> again, the Spanish. It's like the generic Spanish guitar mm. uh, reminds me. And this this might be the same case for a Lebanese family as well, which is like I, I just pictured like my mom and like my aunts or like all these all the female members of my family just like hearing that guitar and like having some weird emotional experience by oh, yes. it, just by like, just by like it being sort of like this, you know, minor progression and just being like, that's mm-hmm. beautiful. Like they oh, all goodness. relate to that no matter what it was. Cause they just didn't hear it as much necessarily like in Western music. So to even just hear a, like a tiny bit of that flair of like the gypsy Kings are amazing, which they are. I love the gypsy Kings. I'm not oh. shitting on it, but that's what it brings me back to.
3: Oh, m- my mom adored and probably adores a uh, Jesse cook. Um, did, are you familiar with Jesse Cook? Um, I'm not familiar. He, oh god, he he was definitely like doing stuff uh, at the time. Anyway, he did a lot of Spanish flamenco guitar, basically. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, definitely, like at at the same time, late '90s, uh, at least, or maybe maybe earlier than that. And also, there's that thing of like anything that looks like it's a recognizable part of your culture in diaspora is something to be like yeah. lamed onto and celebrated. Hundred percent. Esmeralda was very much like I think part of that uh for us through the medium of this show cuz like Yeah. My mom like didn't particularly care about like the Disney musicals that my sister and I were glomming onto even though I did see uh The Hunchback of Notre Dame in theaters. I remember seeing it in mm-hmm. theaters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it um, scarred
1: me. I remember seeing it in theaters and just just yeah. sitting there with my eyes like this the whole
3: time. <laughs> and and like the the thing about um the when I was saying that a lot of the beats are similar Um, What I actually mean by that is it's weird to me that um, you've got God Save the Outcasts in Mm -hmm. the Disney show and you've got the Ave Maria Payen in this show Um, and that you've got, you know, Hellfire and you've got Déchirée. Like those those kind of character moments specifically feel like weird to me that they are in both shows. Like I I don't know the extent to which... um, like Luc Lamondon was like indebted to the Disney show or not? Um, I can't remember the extent to which those are in the book, but yeah, just like having that glimpse of Esmeralda in the church, being specifically watched by Frollo, is like a whole
1: thing. I gotta say, this goes back to Charles Loughton. If you've not seen the Charles Loughton version of this, it is a fantastic film. It's really interesting in the history of when it was made, uh, compared to world war II, because it was made by a German director who left Germany, uh, when the Nazis came and like the tone of it is just so much more like Disney absolutely made that they did not make the book. They made that movie. They, and it is like, again, very social justice oriented. It is literally about people coming into a city being expelled because they are not wanted. And that is the forefront Mm. of what the drama is. Um, And there's a scene in the cathedral where Esmeralda, like, talks to the Virgin Mary. And I think that is, like, the Mm. genesis, like... About yeah. like how she's humble and doesn't want anything. She just wants safety for people. And like I feel like yeah. that's Charles Loughton, because like again, it, there's there's some wolf stuff in the book that <laughs> one the Charles oh, Loughton version God. cuts out and two like the head has kind of died out for for better I think for the impact of the story.
3: But, Thank uh, you so much for that because I feel yeah. like that's like the missing link for me mm. of just needing to kind of absorb these things. It's but, such
1: a oh. good movie. Go watch it. Just oh, beautifully I, shot. I will. Just Charles Loughton's I absolutely will. giving. Um, it's great. But. Uh, yeah it, it is ultimately like fascinating how this story has changed over the last you know a mm. um, hundred and you know some years since it was published uh, yeah. and f- I guess almost like what because I was I think it was like 1840 something that was pu- you should know I did like a Damn long video with Lindsay about this. We went to Paris. We did a whole video about how this change in <laughs> mm-hmm. adaptation, but it's basically you know 100 you know 50 mm-hmm. years plus change of, yeah. of narrative changing across it. And even Victor Hugo, right after it was published, was like, "Let's make an opera and we'll change it around so people aren't as depressed by it." And so again, <laughs> that's why I'm not like bothered by like the story being yeah. changed so much because yeah. i feel like for its survival it kind of has to change and this 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 version mm-hmm. is one of those versions that understands that and you know can still yeah. do the whole the building and the book will destroy each other but it has to be about something a little bit bigger um
3: but yeah you know, <laughs> I, 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 I never thought i never thought i'd make this comparison and and part of this is just like oh all the musicals that i love have to like resemble each other that's not true but i, I was shocked by being reminded of this um I found myself thinking of Town in the in the second act because, um, which I know you guys have talked about, uh, and I'm thrilled you did because mm-hmm. it is my favorite musical now. That's one of the um, first ones anyway. we did. Yes. I I, oh, I love it so much. Anyway, I don't know if you saw Anita Franco. Yes, I saw that. I, I, I'm like,
1: I got to go see it now. So I got to go see it again. I've seen it like four times yes. already. And I'm like, well, shit, oh I got to go see it for Anita Franco.
3: Yeah, Anita <laughs> Franco, in case you didn't know, Cave was on the uh, Yeah. yeah.
0: I remember the De speaking yeah. of the 90s,
3: yeah, of the 90s. Yeah. everything yeah. everything is back yeah but the, it's the thing that reminded i think it reminded me of Town was a the reminder that it is technically a tragedy yeah but it's the fact that you want i want that show to end at liberi you know i want it i feel like plot wise you know all the developments that have happened um you've got like so the, the, the Saint Papier try to stage a rescue of Esmeralda at the prison. They fail and get rounded up instead by the cops. Um, by, you know, Phoebus's shitty cops. Um, learn to say Acap Esmeralda. anyway, uh, but the, <laughs> anyway, so, so they round them up. Quasimodo, whose arc has all been about, you know, becoming his own person and defying his upbringing with with Frollo and stuff, releases them so that they can come and actually rescue Esmeralda before, um, uh, before she is killed and, like, while Frollo is trying to force himself on her and stuff. And then... Like they get out, they all get out. They have this incredibly cathartic song uh, where Frollo, where uh, Quasimodo is saying like, "I freed them, and they are free now, and they are once again like demanding asylum." And you're thinking like, "It's gonna work, gonna work this time, gonna work in the same way that like Orpheus manages to like sway the heart of Hades and everything." And you think you know, it's gonna work, doesn't work, doesn't yeah. work. Well, why do you, like, <laughs> why do he like, a, dies? Right, right, right. He dies. Like. like I, um, I genuinely forgot that Clopin dies. I like I, I somehow managed to memory hold that, and when I, when I was watching it, I was distraught. I was like, "How dare Clopin oh, die?" He has such, like, like a, a he's just like a uh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. Death, you know, oh, I'm yeah. It's like it, it's it absolutely a,
1: the eyes are rolling, the, the grunting <laughs> is I'm happening. Eat every inch of this death
3: seed. It's like if I must but, die, like, but yeah. I love Nick Merville, but this is the thing, he dies, and he, like, says to Esmeralda, the thing that kills me so much is, like, like the, this is your country, you know, don't let anyone tell you otherwise, you know, like, just, and and that is something my parents would say to me, like, they would say to me that, you know, you were born here, this is your country, you know, we immigrated here, but you were born here, and don't ever let anyone tell you that you're not Canadian, and stuff like that, and um and and it just like really really hits. That's and you very see, sweet like, of them to say. Yeah, that is. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. I didn't get much... that. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! I, to... I I actually really want to know more. Uh, if you want to talk oh, no, about it. Oh no! It was that. just
0: sort of like all everyone's suspicious of you. You will never be at home oh, here. God. Don't forget. It's true. No. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, but
3: the moment Esmeralda it feels like she's being like you know given the torch you know to like carry this forward and they they have to triumph because look at the cost already and instead no she just dies too and it's the most narratively unsatisfying thing <laughs> that leaves you with like what Hadestown leaves you with which is why do we tell these stories why do we tell tragedies because this shit keeps happening in the world and we keep having to deal with it every time and reiterate it every time and maybe this t- we keep telling it in the hope that maybe this time it will turn out differently which also kills me every time I watch Town.
0: to use the words of another musical <laughs> yeah. who lives who dies
3: who, who tells, tells your, your story, story. Oh my God,
0: um. <laughs> are you proud of me I just referenced it thank you that and was
1: that was glorious. A plus. You've passed the class. True. Um, fantastic. Yeah.
3: No. That, that's explained a musical
1: I, again. Like yeah. why we, we tell the story so much. Not even just like watching this version, you know, over mm-hmm. and over again, but like why people keep coming back to this. And I think it really is inherently yeah. the tragedy. And as much the Disney version has popularized a very happy ending, it is the yeah. the idea that we are. But as Victor Hugo wrote, that buildings and words are what survive, and the struggle of them is going to be what continues to like be the uh, what's the word i'm looking for people are going to like bad things are going to happen and this is going to yeah. be the eternal struggle that people actually think about and you know internalize for themselves and it's just kind of like it's sad <laughs> it's a very cynical book yeah. um but yeah. uh uh yeah but I, I i like how this version um kind of turns it on its head in a very Hades Town way as you've pointed out
3: yeah but, uh, yeah i don't I'm, i like i know like you guys have like a <laughs> timeline but i wanted to know like cave how did how did those parts of the musical like hit for you like the 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 like immigrant refugee um like uh violently brutalized by the police other and stuff like that because that was one thing too about the show that i i did actually like with the choreography was all the police Mm -hmm. barriers that they were like shoving across along the stage and going back and forth with um really felt like they were you know driving home a very contemporary point down to the like police batons they literally yeah in the 90s too Um, i'm like in the 90s yeah yeah. these archers are all carrying police batons but yeah
0: i you know what's funny is is i did think about what you mentioned in the first half where you said that when you went and saw a staging of it that there was like some was it like a white french actress or something yeah like that uh, yeah Right. But then I I don't know the actress's name who played this. Uh, Ellen Segarra, and
3: she is um, Uh, Armenian and uh, Italian background, I think.
0: Okay. Yeah. So I I did. When I was looking at her, I was thinking of what you said. And I was like, oh, yeah, this just looks like a person who could have been like a member in my family, which is she's very beautiful. I'm not just saying that because my family, I think, is beautiful. I just mean, like, it it does. That part of it to me was really like, oh, okay. Like, I... uh, having not seen a lot of stories that, or I should say almost any stories growing up that would have had that, um, I would not have had that experience growing up. I didn't see this until now. So now it's yeah. like a totally different ecosystem, but I was considering yeah. the, um, the time in which you saw it. I tend to also, as Angie knows, when we talk about these things, uh, to me, it's more interesting to think about them through the perspective of the person that is really into it yeah, uh, because I'm dead on the inside and have so much irony poison. I don't like anything, so I can't do it otherwise. Uh, so it, it it was weird to be like, oh, that just looks like a person that would have been in my family and to sort of consider it as a story about that. And then I, I kept thinking about it more about that angle mm-hmm. rather than the um, the broader sort of social themes. Right. And the kind of. Uh, I guess the fetishization of that kind of person oh, yeah. in the way that it's not just that they're like, oh, we love Esmeralda. It's also like it's the same thing you hear about with like, it's, you know, it's, Oh, it's an Asian chick or it's like a Latina girl or like mm-hmm. this. Middle. That was, that was sort of how I thought about it. And like that part of it made me feel, um, which I believe it's meant to do is where you're like, Oh, this is very uncomfortable to experience and watch. And that's how you're meant to experience that character. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think the barriers and all, and, and you know, the asylum stuff, again, I'm a little bit detached from everything just because I feel like, as I mentioned on this podcast before, so many of these kinds of stories are stuff that you hear all the time, all the time. There are stories that we hear about our family members of like people that have escaped. And uh, it's not something that I necessarily think about uh, uh, in the forefront of my mind, just because it's like always there. And I don't, to the point where I don't even notice it. It's sort of like seeing a tree that you pass by in your house, like in front of your house. It's just there all the time. You don't necessarily notice it. So Mm. Again, it was just the casting of her to me that stuck out—not uh, yeah. in a bad way, but in an interesting way. But yeah, I, yeah,
3: absolutely. This is your question. The, yeah, it does, and and actually, the the thing that I was a lot more aware of this time, and that like kind of dialed down my enjoyment of the show, is how nakedly uh, the like three men's fantasies are projected onto her in a way that I feel mm-hmm. the show is fine with, like the the show kind of doesn't really problematize that at all. Like in Belle, the staging of Bell really stuck out to me where she's just mm-hmm. kind of laid out before them in the, yeah, on, yeah, like, yeah. on the stage, like her legs like extended towards them. And they're all very explicitly fantasizing about fucking her. Like, like, mm-hmm. Laissez-moi juste, uh, juste rien qu'une fois, pousser la porte the, the, du jardin, jardin de Smeralda. Smeralda. Yeah. Like, like, oh, like use... say, <laughs> I hear that. Uh, yeah. But, like, very specifically, let me deflower this woman. Yeah. Like that is, that is what they are saying. And like, laissez moi j'ai recueillir la fleur d'amour de Smeralda. Glisser mes doigts dans les cheveux de Smeralda. Like, they're all just like the, the having her there on stage for them to project their fantasies onto, which happens multiple times whenever anyone is fantasizing about her. She's kind of there lit in the soft gold light. And I think you're supposed to get the impression that this is their fantasies of her,
2: mm-hmm. but
3: it never, I can't believe I'm going to use this term in a, in a very earnest way, but it was very male gaze-y in a, in a very, I, I in a I, very I literal weird
0: way. A, I wrote a note <laughs> down that's, I wrote down the note, male gaze, the musical. God. Yeah. Way, oh my, that I wrote down, yeah. So. I completely agree. Absolutely. Yes. And in context, too, it's like that's unfortunately like it's it's we talked a lot about like the sort of aesthetic of the 90s and the Mm. aesthetic of like what it was and the music being cheesy and funny or whatever, like in the mom rock thing. But it it is also interesting to watch these things now and look like, yeah, that's kind of the era in which we grew up, Uh, Mm. particularly me as a young boy, not not having watched this show at the time. But I'm like, yeah, that's that's uh that's a marker of, of how far we've come certain, certainly not as much as we'd like to as a whole, yeah. but I think even the most, what somebody would, you know, I consider myself a more progressive person now than I, you know, it's sort of how I've always seen myself. I try yeah. to be at least. Uh, and that is not a thing I would have necessarily even like been on my radar at that time. Yeah. And that, not just because I was a kid, but just cause that was the vibe of that era. And as, as Absolutely. much as you people thought that they were being, feminist or progressive it's like it takes kind of like what you were just saying of like you're swimming in the water you don't necessarily even realize what it is yeah
1: yeah absolutely Um,
0: but yeah that 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 really stuck out to me and you know I'm making the jokes about like (laughs) it's it's like a comment section of like a fucking porn video or something or (laughs) but it's but it's true it's like you you don't you don't see it necessarily you don't realize that that's the case and you're like okay I guess we've come a long way in certain areas. Other areas are like more horrific, unfortunately, but I guess that's the cost of progress.
1: Yeah. Mm. I did like what the, what's interesting to me, especially it's like, is the Esmeralda Quasimodo relationship where it's like, so like in the book, she's like, thanks for helping me, dude not your friend like thanks mm-hmm. I, I'm like you're fine I don't enjoy being around you like even they can't even resist mm-hmm. like her being like oh you're my bud like there's like a funny moment where she's like oh you the gargoyles are fine they make me laugh like you make me laugh dude like uh, yeah. you remind yeah. me of them and it's just kind of like okay yeah. that's that's I guess that's sweet but in the book she is straight up just like never gonna happen dude thanks for the whistle um um uh, d- just leave it, me alone yeah. like it's, it, it
0: almost has like this 500 days of summer feeling. <laughs> <to where it's laughs> like, she was very clear up front and like no one listens
1: yeah, yeah. Like she's like I'm I'm good and
0: they try their best to control her essentially is what it is it, it, it's definitely like as a dude you watch this and you're just like mm, sorry yeah. <laughs> sorry sorry, point <laughs> in sorry in we're the... like this
3: there's one point when she's in the cage and Frollo is like revealing himself as like the architect of all her misery, mm. and uh, and she's like, "What have I ever done to you to make you hate me like this?" And he's like, "I don't hate you. I, I, love, I you. love you. I love you. I love you." And, I love she, you. And, and she's she comes back at that with like, "What have I ever done to make you love me?" Yeah, like it's so- and She's so confused, and it's the most. It feels like the most honest part. Of the whole thing. And, and he, he answers with like, well, I saw you dancing in the square and like suddenly I was horny for the first time in my yeah. entire life. And, uh, yeah, that's why. When shouldn't be that's dancing. This is what happens yeah. when you let
1: women go to the club. Like, you, this so like, is just yeah, what happens. Exactly. It's their
3: fault. You
0: know. Um, Listen, skirts, this is this. I feel like we talked about this, Angie. I can't remember what show it was where I was like, the entire plot of this could have been resolved if people just didn't have like religious guilt and were oh, able to bang. What was Everyone it? would have been happy. Oh
3: God! It's I to just to... the fact that it brings up Luther. It's like in in the show. Right. It's like, yeah. oh yeah, we're we're just around the corner from the Reformation. It's like, right. man, if you could have just like could have just banged yeah, exactly. a lot banged. of people
0: would be alive yeah
3: or, if you kind of onan you know go go yeah, for it just, yeah just if you and, could have just to like, if only yeah. they had had porn <laughs> of sorry yeah. trying to bring, <laughs>
0: yeah that's true I'm, these people aren't I'm even jerking so off sorry. at any point I didn't. Jesus.
1: yeah fatality um yeah. anyway
0: uh, and on that note we should probably start wrapping it up we've yeah. gone a bit over yeah but uh any any final uh closing quick thoughts that we you think that we didn't uh cover that you wanted to mention before we wrap it up
3: the only thing i wanted to mention that was really important to me when i said it like the the show made me cry before um recently it was There was a moment in Bohemian, uh, which is the song that Esmeralda sings, kind of introducing herself, Mm -hmm. uh, where she has the line, um, le ciel d'Adam Lucie vaut-il la peine qu'on y revienne? And it killed me, um, because we are, uh, you know, in a moment of uh, witnessing real-time genocide happening and people being displaced and so on. And it really hit me that what she's saying in that line is, you know, I'm a traveler. I don't know where I'm from. I've been told of this place that I'm from. Uh, but is it worth returning to? Is it worth Mm -hmm. um, going back to? And it really hit deep uh, as it just like, yeah. And and that is the thing I want to get like as goofy and, and wacky as the show can be. There is this hardcore through line for me about exile and, um, asylum and integration that I think is worth revisiting because that was, you know, looking towards the year 2000, uh, tongue in cheek and stuff like that. And now, you know, 24 years later, um, I think it's, uh, worth thinking about those things harder.
0: Well, but, uh, Angie, anything else?
3: Um, no, this was like, honestly, like
1: I, 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 that is like that, like, again, like why, this story survives is the leaning into the kind of untapped social aspect of it. And that's where it lives in the same way that Le Miz lives. And again, I'm glad that this is the bend that the story has taken in the last, you know, 80 or 90 years versus what it started as. So it's good when stories change sometimes actually. And I'm glad this version embraces that. Um, but that's, yeah, honestly, I can't really follow that with anything. Cause that's, that's, that is like the appeal of this show for me. Um, is Mm -hmm. striving onwards in spite of the fact that history is ugly and uh, uh, yeah Uh, but um,
0: as as is the present unfortunately as is the
1: the present yeah 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 saying this as you sit in the present of it Um, but yeah um, this has been like just so enjoyable tremendously enjoyable thank you so much for um, yes, coming. it was so
0: lovely to have you on. Yeah. And, and Thank you so much for having me. Both as a translator and as a guest yeah. and as an enthusiast. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. All the angles. You brought all the angles. Uh, so thank you so thank much. You. Yeah. Thanks um, so much for having
3: me, uh, guys.
0: Yeah. Of course. Um, so if you guys have opinions on Notre Dame de Paris, please let us know. Share them with us. We are at Musical MusicalSplaining with no G on Twitter. And we are uh, at Splaining with a G on Instagram. Uh, I am at Kavitarian on Twitter. I'm also Kavitarian on Blue Sky. And I'm also PermaFriends on Instagram. Uh, by the time this comes out, that will be the end of November. So December 1st through 3rd, if you're in Los Angeles, please come see me. I will be at Los Angeles Comic-Con. Uh, I'll be tabling in small press. Additionally, I will be on a Mena panel on Sunday uh, from a, at 11 a.m., I believe. So a couple of other Middle Eastern, North African artists and... Uh, actors or whatever we're going to be sitting and talking about nothing in particular because the Middle East is just everything's chill right now there's nothing going on it's going to be a really relaxed conversation Mm -hmm. I'm sure no one's going to bring up anything controversial so if you want to have a mellow time please come see us Um, uh, please tell us uh, what you're working on anything you want to plug where people can find you what books they can buy where they can give you all of their money
3: yeah. Uh, so I wrote half of a book called This is How You Lose the Time War. Um, the other half is written by Max Gladstone. Uh, it's about time traveling super spies who start writing each other letters to kind of tease and taunt each other uh, as they fight this war in time. But they start to develop a correspondence and it turns into something that sounds more. Really cool. It's great. Yeah. It's such a good book. Uh, I've not read your book. You. That sounds fantastic. It's
1: fantastic. Oh, and it went viral um, on Twitter. <laughs> It sure
3: did. Uh, There was a a wonderful Twitter user uh, who went by Bigalus Wolfwood who ran a (laughs) Trigun fan account um, and loved the book and tweeted about it in like an adorably feral way. And suddenly, uh, literally, like I'm not joking about this, within one week um uh it became a new york times bestseller um holy shit consequence of this but that was the book had been out for four years it came out in 2019 it only became a new york Times bestseller uh for two weeks this year because of the power of bigless dickless wolfwood in fact i'm gonna show you (laughs) bigless dickless this is bigless dickless um, man the uh, Italian edition of Time War came out with this belly band oh. that has the, okay. the viral tweet. Oh no! Shit! That's awesome! Yeah. Wow. It's literally from the publisher. Uh, the tweet reads: "Read this. Do not look at. Do not look up anything about it. Just read it. It's only like 200 pages. You can download it on Audible. It's only like four hours. Do it right now. I'm very extremely serious." Um, and anyway, it's adorable. Beautiful. This this human being has been uh, a tremendous boon to Max and me. Um, and yeah, uh, other than that, um, I actually have, uh, since that happened, a bunch of stuff happened. I've got a four book deal with Tor. I've got a novella coming out next year um, that is as yet untitled, so you can't actually pre order it. But yeah, if you want to follow untitled. me, um, follow me on, uh, God, where I'm going to, I have a newsletter at Um, And uh, you can find me on Blue Sky under that name. Also, I'm for my sins still on Twitter at tithenai. that's T-I-T-H-E-N-A-I um and uh on instagram at amal al muhtar where i am currently uh never would have guessed this was the case uh six weeks ago but currently almost exclusively uh talking about the middle east in stories and how you should learn things about it so yeah if that sounds like a chill time to you follow me there if not don't <laughs> it's great just don't do it
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: But yeah um
1: booked and busy literally I'm yeah a like, what a what a what a great uh guest to have I am uh, Angelina as always and, uh, Angelina underscore S E E on Instagram uh, and I am Y Angelina Y on Twitter and I will be having something coming out with Lindsay hopefully by Christmas time that I'm really excited <gasps> uh, to be working on that is also just where most of my brain is so if you followed me on social media in any capacity uh, if I'm not talking about Succession or Phantom of the Opera you probably know what it's going to be about but uh, yeah that's, that's all I got um, yeah thanks again
0: yes um thanks again for joining us thanks. on our near our end. You guys, don't forget yes. we have only two two episodes
2: left. Two, right?
1: two, oh maybe two left. Yeah, two left, two yeah. left. So two uh, left. Uh, thank you so much for all of your great comments and and, and thoughtful feedback. And uh, yeah, we're we're still, you know, we got a couple left, but it's it's been really. Just wonderful hearing
3: your thoughts through all of this. Thank so, you so much for having you. me. You guys have been a favorite for a very long time. This was a great honor for me. So
0: you are welcome An back anytime. Yes. Sorry that the podcast is ending. You <laughs> might right.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> We'd love to have you back.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so
1: much, guys. But thank you for joining thank us you. for this Victor Hugo length episode. I think just conversation-wise yes, alone, so he'd much. be proud. <laughs> but thank <laughs> you so much. Yeah.